Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, I am always excited to come into the house of the Lord. Amen. I, I go through the week and I face a lot of cases and do a lot of things on my job. And when I come into the presence of God and I'm with the, his body of believers, it's amazing how all that kind of stuff just kind of melts away. Amen. How when I enter into his presence with the presence of his people, he makes a difference without me having to do much of anything just to reflect him. Amen. And it is my honor and privilege to be here and to speak with you um, this morning. I have started my school year and I will tell you, um, it seems like every year gets a little bit crazier. Now, I don't know why that is. <laughs> But I think everybody's kind of noticed it, that every year just seems to get a little bit crazier, um, especially last year with COVID, this year the ongoing saga. It just seems like there's a whole lot of division, a whole lot of this versus that, that versus this, and if you're not 100% in agreement with this one here, then you are 100% anti this one here. And, And I'll tell you what, it's a lot of noise. There's a lot going on that you start listening to it and at some point, you know, I, I try to be at least halfway aware of what's going on and there's a lot of crazy going on right now. And yet even in my halfway aware space and time, it gets to the point, Bishop, where I'm just like, I can't, I can't even, I can't do halfway aware. Like I need to step a little bit further back. Maybe that's just me. Maybe y'all can handle the news all the time. I can't do it. I do try, and it's just like, uh-uh. I don't feel edified. I don't feel encouraged. I don't feel like I can go and say, you know what? I disagree with you, but you know what? We're going to work together. And you know, I realized something, that what has happened is that there is a lack of unity. I think I need to say that one more time. There is a lack of unity. And what's so hateful about the enemy is that he tries to do that within us as a body too. Because what is his goal? To steal, kill, and destroy. And this is not a new trick. This is not a new plan that he's just now said, aha. Here's a good idea. He's been attacking God's people with this and all people with this from the very beginning. Because if he can get us out of unity with each other, he can separate us from the presence. And so if you will um, bear with me, I'd like to spend a few minutes this morning. I recognize that I am what is standing between you and lunch. So I'm not going to take long, but I want to spend a few minutes talking about that unity because I feel like now more than ever, when the world is pushing division, the church as the lighthouse of God should be able to say, we're talking about unity. The world might try to say, we're going to divide on this line, that line, and the other. 
But the church should be saying, you know what? We're bringing each other together. We're standing with each other. We're united as one body under one faith, one baptism, one name. And what's that name? Jesus. What's that name? Jesus. What's that name? Jesus. And it's at that name that demons tremble. And at that name that chains are broken. And at that name sicknesses are healed. And at that name miracles happen. And at that name ways are made. It's not my name and it's not your name. There's division in my name and division in yours, but there's unity in his name. So I'll tell you what I did. I looked up the definition of unity and to be united. Go ahead, Sister Tracy. It says to come or bring together for a common purpose or action. Now, there are a lot of purposes and a lot of actions that are out there in the world right now. But you're here. So I think you've got an idea of what purpose and action you're looking for. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, verses 12 through 25 and 26 say, For just as the body is a unity, and this is the Amplified Classic Edition, and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body. So it is with Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, so that there should be no division or discord or lack of adaptation of the parts of the body to each other. Now I could stop right there and I could just have a Holy Ghost moment because I have been training for a half marathon. It's not biblical. The wicked run. I'm supposed to just hasten to the throne. <laughs> but I've been training for this half marathon. And I, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Because mostly I hate it. But there's a part of me that says, ooh, it's a goal. And we're going to make it. So I love that, right? But mostly it's awful. And I will tell you, last week, I haven't run in a week. Because last week, I hit a rock as I was running outside. And my ankle rolled. Now, I did not wipe out, thankfully. But I did, by the time I self-corrected, my knee started hurting. And I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I'm very stubborn. And I had decided that even though my knee was hurting and I was starting to run with kind of a limp bishop, I was like, I've started this, this run. I'm going to finish it. That's probably not a good thing because it's taken me a week to get over my knee. I know, I feel all the mothers in the, in the audience looking at me like, well, yeah, you kept running. That's why, because that's what my mother said to me. And I'll be honest with you, you know, before then, my socks ran down in my, my tennis shoes and I ended up rubbing a blister on both of my ankles. There's Band-Aid still there. And I kept running because I was going to finish it. I have to say, you can come up to me after service and be like, Sister Caitlin, that was, that was just dumb. It was. But I was determined. I was committed. But I'll tell you what happened at the end result of that. I had to give some special consideration to different parts of my body. 
I put band-aids on my ankles. I made sure I wore shoes without backs on them so I didn't keep rubbing them raw. And I gave a, a little bit of TLC to my knee and elevated it. You know, it's, you're supposed to rest, ice it, elevate, I don't know, whatever it is, rice. That's what Brother David told me. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. It's food. I enjoy it. And, you know, icing it and doing my little muscle rub thing and, and all this kind of stuff. Then I got the bright idea, I'm going to strength train it by riding a bicycle. <laughs> it was another dumb idea. You know why, Bishop? Because by the time I was done with my 10 minutes that I was like, I'm at least going to go 10 minutes, my knee was hurting so bad I could hardly walk down to the office at my job. And you say, why, Sister Caitlin, are you telling us all of your bodily ailments when it comes to your marathon saga? It's because just like I have to be mindful of my body and to take care and give a little extra care to this part and be a little kinder to that part and do all of those sorts of things, look around at your neighbor. You say, well, I don't understand. Well, sister so-and-so is going through this, so, you know, I'm going to be sure. I'm going to send a little extra card, pray a little few extra prayers. And, and when sister so-and-so snaps at me, well, I know she's struggling or he's struggling with this, that, and the other, and I'm going to be a little bit merciful. Why? Because we're part of one body, and I'm willing to adapt a little bit. Sister Carly is, is precious, and I wish she was here. I'm sure she's not feeling well right now. But she came to me, and, and weren't we so blessed last week with the testimonies of our, our young adults and then the Sunday school? It was so wonderful. And while we were prepping for that, she said, I'd, I'd really like to testify, but I, I just don't know that I can. I, I don't know health-wise if I'll be there. I don't know if we'll be able to make it. Well, she wasn't able to make it. Now, we could have all had one of two options. Well, I'm offended that Sister Carly did not come and testify like she should have. Or I say, you know what? I'm going to send a little bit of extra prayer her way. I'm going to send a little bit of extra love. I'm going to send a little bit of extra mercy. Why? Because she's a part of my body. And I'm a part of hers. And we both give deference, adaptation, because I don't want anything to divide me or cause discord between someone in the body. And our church is amazing, and, the, and we do that, and we are strong in that. And how do I know that? Because we have a list of prayer requests that people faithfully get in the back every month. We pray for every month, every service, and new requests come in. And, and I love our CAC prayer alerts because I can know immediately this is where I'm at and what we need to face. And when they send out a praise report, I've got an immediate victory, and I know that there are others rejoicing with me in the moment. And when we go through all of those things, I know that we are together united as one body. Now notice, but all members, all alike, should have a mutual interest in and care for one another. And if one member suffers, all parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all the members share in the enjoyment of it. Why? Because I am a part of you, 
and you are a part of me. When Brother Tracy's going through it again and he's having a rough day, I feel it. When Sister Alicia is faced with a rough case at work and is going through it, I feel it. Why? You say, you're not actually there, Sister Caitlin. You're not actually a part of it, but I'm a part of them as one body. Go ahead, Sister Tracy. And Galatians says in chapter 3, verses 27 through 29, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I love that Paul wrote this because Paul was a Jewish man who, if anything and anybody in the Bible would have had problems with Greeks, slaves, and women, it had been this man. And yet the Holy Ghost moved on and he said, when you come into God, it doesn't matter what your race is, it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is, it doesn't matter who's your daddy, what kind of job you have, where you're coming from, what house you built, what house you didn't build, what side of the tracks you're born on, no gender divide. He said, every one of us is one in Christ. And when we are one in Christ, we become heirs to the promises. And, and let me tell you, in a world that starts talking about all sorts of division, that's a cool drink of water. Because it says, I don't have to be defined the way that the world tries to define me. I think I need to say that one more time. I don't need to be defined by the way the world tries to define me. I work in a job where my job is to label people. It's the least favorite part of my job to say, okay, this child has this disability and this child has this one. And because it's so easy to get stuck on a label that you miss the child. It's so easy to read a child with this that you're just like, okay, well, I know exactly who that child is. I can tell immediately. And that's not the case at all. And so when we recognize that I'm in one body and where I come from in the church and, and what my background is, what my history is and the mistakes I've made and the problems that I faced and the struggles that I had, it doesn't matter anymore because I'm a part of something bigger than me. And in the message version of this, it says that our significance isn't based on what we bring to the table, but by the fact that we are at the table itself. You say, well, Sister Caitlin, I don't have your testimony. It doesn't matter. Well, I don't have your life experience. It doesn't matter. Why? Because I am a part of something greater than me. And so when I rejoice in the victory of your testimony, I'm taking it on as part of mine. And when you're struggling with something, I'm taking that part on as, as part of mine as well. Why? Because we are one mind, one body, one faith. One baptism, for whoever walks in the door, they have access and ability to become one. So how do I get in unity? Go ahead, next verse. And, and I will tell you, there are so many different um, 
ways you could go with this. And I, I really did struggle to nail it down for a long while. But I think the first part and the, the strongest part of unity is commitment. You cannot have unity if you're not committed to being unified. You cannot have unity if you're not committed to being unified. And, and you could go even further from that and say part of requiring and having commitment is having blood flow. Because if you take, Brother Shane, I think this is right, if you'd like to take a rubber band and you wrap it around your finger and you leave it there and you cut off the blood flow, the finger dies, right? He's nodding, yes. So you have to have blood flow if you're going to remain in unity. I'm glad blood has flown. Yes. Amen. I'm glad 2,000 years ago it was taken care of so that I don't have to spill mine anymore because the main one has been spilled. And so the first thing is we have to be committed in purpose. And I will tell you as a psychologist, I hear a lot of, of rumblings of I'm just trying to find myself and find my purpose and discover what it is all about. And I think that that can be very distracting sometimes because I, if you look at it as a video game, you get distracted by the side quests of life and you miss the main goal. And so when you're talking about getting committed in purpose, we have two purposes with the overarching one to be in relationship with God. He built us all to be in relationship. He created mankind to be in relationship. But in Acts 1 and 8 it says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So part of my purpose is to witness to other people. Part of my purpose is to reach out and say, let me tell you what Jesus has done. Let me tell you about this gospel of peace. Aren't you afraid of COVID? No. How, how, don't, how are you not afraid? Is it because of the vaccine? No, it's not because of the vaccine. Are you, are you not afraid? Because I've got peace that passes all understanding. How are you not struggling when you see how, how many people have passed away and, and all of the issues that are going through? I know that the God who put them to sleep is the one who's going to wake them up. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. Why? Because my goal is to reach out to somebody else. Because let me break it down for you. Everybody needs this. I don't know how the world hasn't spiraled out into even more crazy by now. Because more people need it for sure. So part of my purpose is to reach out to others. You say, well, how can I do that? I'm not living in Judea, Samaria, or, in, or even in Jerusalem. But you are in Newark and Heath and Granville and Hebron and Licking Valley. And you can reach out and say, hey, I'm praying for you today to the barista at Starbucks. I know it's crazy out there. Well, what if they don't come to church? That's okay. I've reached out a hand. 
Well, let me offer, can I, can I give you a Bible study? Oh, no, no, no. All right, that's all right. Well, I'll still be praying for you. You mean even if they say no? Even when I'm going prayer walking and people say, oh, no, I'm not interested. Thank you. They don't even let me get my spiel out. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. But I've got to be committed to doing that. I've got to be committed to being intentional, to being purposeful, which is why I think it's so wonderful. As Sister Sheena mentioned, we have the Sweet Corn Festival coming up. What an amazing opportunity to witness to people. What a great opportunity to say, let me tell you about our church. We got people over here at this booth. We got some over here at this booth. We got young people parking cars. Aren't they doing a wonderful job? And let me tell you about why they're so happy right now. I'm committed to reaching out. I'm committed to the vision of the pastor to say, let's do something more. Let's go a little further. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And all of us as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in an ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. My purpose is to reach out, but it's also to reach in. I got to make sure that I'm being changed in the process. I shouldn't be the same as I was yesterday as I will be tomorrow. Why? Because I'm looking elsewhere. You say, well, I just want to focus on me and my relationship with God. You need to focus on you and your relationship with God. But you also got to reach out. Well, I just want to focus on outreach. Bishop, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get real and honest with God about what I'm facing because it's too much. Well, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And you say, what about those times where it's hard to do both of those things? I'm an introvert by nature. I know this also shocks you. What about those times when I'm out of my comfort zone? Whether it's out of my comfort zone and going to greet people or out of my comfort zone and coming to the altar and getting real with God. I've got to be committed to doing that. To saying this is not what I enjoy, but I am committed in my purpose. I'm determined to be in unity with everyone else around me who's committed to purpose. And so I want to work on me so that I can help reach other people. That's how I get in unity. Committed in action. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Colossians 3.17 And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I can't give a half-baked response to God. I have to be willing to say, you know what? This is not my, my comfort zone. This is not what is my norm. But you know, I'm all in. I am going to scrub those toilets like no tomorrow. That's going to be the best looking toilet you've ever seen. Right? 
I'm gonna park those cars at the Sweet Corn Festival with such flair and pizzazz. I'll have to have flags, you know. I could do it, it would be amazing. Just make it a, a dance routine out there. Why? Because I recognize that what I am doing isn't for me. I'm not taking anything that I do for granted. I'm dedicating it all to the glory of God. And you say, I, something small like that, Sister Caitlin, being willing to write a card and being willing to, to reach out to somebody who's struggling, and be, you're telling me that's enough? Yeah. When you're committed in your action to do it, and to do it as unto the Lord, whether it's small or big. Paul himself established seven churches in the Middle East, between Jerusalem and, and Rome and, and all of these places. Seven churches. A lasting legacy, right? None of them are alive today. However, he wrote letter upon letter on letter to those people, encouraging, strengthening, edifying, redirecting, supporting. And what has stood the test of time weren't the churches themselves, but the letters. The small things have made the difference in millions of people's lives over the years. Don't tell me God is not God of the small as well as the big. You say, well, Sister Caitlin, I can't, I can't do a whole lot. I, I can only pray for people. That's enough. Well, I want to do more at the church itself. What can I do? Come and see me. We got jobs. We got all kinds of places where you can be involved and you can be committed in action. Well, but I, I don't like any of those, those places. I would, I'm not really a toilet scrubber. I would much prefer to wash the windows. Well, if you're dedicated to your windows, hey, come on. But it's being willing to say, I'm committed to do it. Whether it's big, whether it's small, whether it's something that I think is worthy or not, I'm committed in my action to do it. And when we as a body get committed in our actions, we're in such a degree of unity that nothing can stop us because everybody's doing and committed to doing what they have been asked to do. Get committed in relationship. Galatians 6 and 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, if you keep on showing love among yourselves. Now, I don't know if you've looked around in the world today, but there's not a whole lot of love going on. There's not a whole lot of bear ye one another's burdens. And I will tell you, our, our church is really wonderful, and it really is amazing because I've had so many people uh, who have been visitors coming in from all over the place, and they come and say, I felt such a love in your church. I felt so welcome. 
I'm preaching to the choir. Because this church bears one another's burdens. This church loves each other. But I'll tell you what. There are times even in my own life where I have felt a little love lacking in me. And it's usually when I'm halting, when I'm hungry, I'm angry, lonely, or tired, right? And the person in front of me is going 15 miles below the speed limit. <laughs> Lord Jesus. You got to bless them, right, Bishop? You say, Lord, bless them, they're an idiot. They're going 15 miles below the speed limit. And so I got to thinking, if... if the world knows whose I am and who I am by the love I have for one another in the body. I need to know what love is so that I can be sure to be in unity with it. And I love God because he gives us a very clear definition in Corinthians. It endures long, is patient and kind. Never envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. Doesn't display itself haughtily. There's a lot to unpack there. Because I know in my own times of feeling a little less love. And the person in front of me is going 15 miles below the speed limit. Patience is not there. And I'm not enduring long because I, I click my car into sport mode and I pass them real fast. And yet, what's amazing is he says, okay, so you're doing that with somebody in the world, but I expect you to do this for each other. So that when Brother Tracy is going through struggles for years and Brother Tim and they're going through, love says, I'm going to walk with you for as long as I need to. As long as you need me to walk there with you and as long as you're struggling, I'm going to be right there. And as long as you have a need, I'm going to be right there because I'm patient. I'm walking with you. Never envious or boils over with jealousy. Well, I just, I wanted to be the window washer. And Bishop got that job. And here they have me changing the trash can liners. That's just a rubbish job. <laughs> he said, don't be envious. Don't be jealous. He said, you're all part of one. Boastful, vainglorious, doesn't display itself haughtily, isn't conceited or arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude and unmannerly. Does not act unbecomingly. Oh, that's my own conviction. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights, its own way. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That's amazing because love says, when you step on my toes, I'm quick to forgive it. Not, well, hello, these are my toes. Watch where you're walking. But it says, look, I'm, I'm willing to forgive and love you beyond it and 
Let it go. Why? Because I want to be in unity with you. I want to be in relationship with you. It doesn't rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. It bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. And I'll tell you, if you work with people, that's really hard. I'm just being honest. Sister Shauna works in a call center and she's laughing and just is like, yes. Because when people start to snap and snipe and you always feel like, well, you've got another motive going and you've got another reason why you're doing this and there's something else behind it and you're just hateful and I just don't like you and so I'm just not going to do whatever. But love says... I'm willing to bear with you under everything, ready to believe the best. Mm, it's hard. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. That's the kind of love I want in my life. Never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. That's what's supposed to cover all of us in unity. And I think that that's so wonderful and so powerful because this church is so loving. And with the love that we have here and operating with each other and as fellow believers, when people come into this building and they see the love and they have access to the love, they're able to connect to something greater than them because we've already gotten in unity with each other. And as I get ready to close, I want to take you back to those verses in 1 Corinthians because when the enemy comes in to divide and cause discord and fighting and, and make it to where, you know, well, I, I have to have it this, it's this way or it's no way and that's the mindset. And we can all come under that attack. I have to remember to be committed to my purpose. To be committed in my action. To be committed in my relationship. Because what the world needs now is somebody to stand shoulder to shoulder with somebody who's nothing like them. And say the reason I'm able to stand here together in unity is because of one individual, one faith, one name, one baptism, one God who looked beyond my faults and saw my needs and said, I'm willing to die on a cross for that one so that I can stand in unity with him. Because when we're in unity as a body, he says, I'm going to get in unity with you too. He says, it's not then anymore about you as an individual. You're connected to something greater. 
So that when you face those things and you face the struggles of life and you face the worries and anxiety and depression and, and one thing after another, when you're facing all of those things, you know that you're not facing it alone. There's a body in unity facing it with you. You say, well, Sister Caitlin, I feel so alone. I, I feel like I'm the only one going through. No. We're bearing the burdens with you. Well, nobody understands exactly my circumstance, exactly what I've gone through, and nobody's had that exact same testimony. Maybe not. But that doesn't mean that we're not there with you. It doesn't mean that we're not holding on and, and loving beyond and supporting beyond. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. If you are in need of a fresh anointing and a fresh touch of God, I'm going to invite you to stand as our singers come. I know that as the world turns and there's more and more division and, and more and more separation and and more and more that strives to get people in contention with one another. I am so glad to know that the church is nothing like that. And so if you're looking for a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to invite you to this altar. Because I know that what we need more of today, it isn't more legislation, it isn't more groups. It isn't more pack groups or whatever they're called. It isn't more people telling us the different things that we should be doing. It's more flowing in unity in the Holy Ghost. It's more the Spirit of God poured out on each of us so that we can extend a lifeline to those around us because the world is in desperate need of the Holy Ghost.